You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning. It's good to see also new faces here. So again, as uh, Ryan mentioned, uh, we want to welcome you you if it's your first time here. And my name is Neil Bernardino, and I am the pastor of this church. And, and uh, on behalf of everyone here, we want to extend um, uh, you a warm welcome. And again, we hope this won't be your last visit with us. We pray that you would encounter God in a new and living way this morning. And uh, all right, would you open your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1? And we are we're continuing our series on the mission. And last week, we talked about... Uh, an important element of understanding the mission, and that which is uh, understanding the image of God. And today we're going to talk about the, the the mission of God. And if you're in Ephesians chapter one already, would you please uh, stand to your f- stand? And uh, we're going to read verses seven through ten. Ephesians chapter one, verses seven through ten. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. <clears throat> Okay. Okay, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, this opportunity to hear the preaching of your word. Lord, let your spirit speak to your people. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, cause your spirit to speak through me, Lord, as I, as I uh, speak your word. And let this word that your people will receive, Lord, bring encouragement and let it, um, let, let it bring transformation in, 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 in our hearts so that we would indeed live out the gospel and be on mission for you. For your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You all have your seats. <clears throat> Thank you. Again, the objective of this series is for us to understand the biblical narrative of redemption, redemptive history or the history of redemption so that we can know our part or our role in it and join God in his mission. See, uh, Christianity is not about um, living our lives just um, centered on us. It's not about just us being blessed, but God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Okay, there is a reason why he saved us. He just didn't save us from something. He saved us for something. So he saved us from from our sins, from the consequence of sin, from his wrath because of sin. And he saved us for (coughs) uh, the redemption of all creation. So we have a mission that uh, we are to partake in as Christians and as a church. And... uh, if we think of um, Christianity as being just having the blessed life and that's it, and God is, uh, we think God is obligated to, to, to meet all our needs and desires, 
and fulfill the uh, quote-unquote American dream in our lives, then we are missing the point. God's dream for us is far greater than our ambitions in life. And let me tell you this, no matter how great of a life you can think of, God's dream for your life is far greater than that. How many of you want God's dream for your life? And His dream for you is hinged on His purpose for all creation, for all the earth. And that is to partner with Him in His work of redeeming all of creation. And that is, that is amazing. <clears throat> now, so I was preparing for this uh, message. A few months ago, last March, we moved to, a, a new, uh, to another apartment. We are, um, so last March, we moved to a smaller apartment. Uh, so we ended up discarding some of our stuff, some of our furniture, we, and we ended up filling up um, uh, two storage units of our stuff. We've already discarded a lot. And I just, we just realized that uh, you know, we came from this small place but we still have a lot of stuff. You know, how many of you, how many of you, when you move, you, you understand what I'm saying? You, you don't realize until you move that you have a lot of stuff. Okay, and some of those you don't need. So uh, we've discarded some of our stuff. And, and as we moved into our new place, um, we're neighbors with, most, with a lot of people here. So um, we bought some furniture that would match or that would, be, you know, would be, that would fit our smaller place. So and and as we bought those, it was my it was my uh, project basically to assemble those furniture. But but uh, my kids said, Dad, can we join you? Can we help you? And they were so excited to help. And I go, in my mind, I can work faster. I can finish this, you know, in in a, few, a less lesser number of hours if I just do it on my own. But since my kids want to help out. You know, I want them to participate in what I'm doing. Even if it's going to take longer, I want them to experience the joy of building something and accomplishing something and enjoying what we've built together. And so when, after we've uh, <coughs> assembled um, a couple of those furnitures, we, now we enjoy them. And, and I tell my, my kids, see, we, we built those together. We built that together, right? Yeah, I remember carrying those, those heavy planks, you know, so putting them all together. So it was a joy for me. Again, it was going to be more efficient if I did it on my own because it's going to be faster. But with them participating, it took longer, but, you know, the joy was there for me and for them. And we share that joy. So we, we accomplished things together, and I wouldn't trade that for anything else. Okay? So to be doing something with your kids... That's one of the greatest things you can ever have. Uh, that's one of the, those are the, some of the greatest memories you will ever have. Okay? Now, God is like that with us. He has a mission for us. And you know God can do anything, right? There's nothing, impos nothing is impossible with God. With just a snap of His finger or, or just by a word from His mouth, things can happen. How, the entire creation, He spoke it into being, right? Nothing is too hard for God. So in, in, the, in his mission for this, for, this, for this creation that has fallen, it's so easy for him to just speak things into being. But in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, and um, basically just in this, in this 
in his infinite wisdom that we, we, can't, we simply can't fathom, he decided to include us in his mission. It's going to take longer, but he wanted us to partake in it, to participate in that. So God has a mission for each one of us that he wants us to join him in. Okay? So in the passage that we read a while ago speaks of God's redemptive plan for the entire creation. See, it says there, you know, he is to, through Christ, by redeeming mankind, and through that plan, he will bring all things in heaven and on earth and unite them under him. But it is hinged upon the redemption of man. Okay? So, and this passage basically speaks of the mission of God. Now, I'm not here today to uh, explain to you everything that is about the mission of God. I'm just going to but scratch the surface of it. But at least my, my prayer and my objective today is for us to have a, a, a basic understanding of God's mission so that we can participate in it. And we're going to talk about our participation, the mission of the church next week. Okay? So, so as we talk about mission, the question now I want to ask is this. What is mission? Okay, what is mission? That's the question I want to ask. And how is it related to the terms that we use in church? Missions and the, the word missional. Okay, are, is there a difference among the three? So is, how many of you are familiar with the term missions? When you think of mi the word mission, especially in a church context, what comes to mind? Let's make this a little bit interactive. What comes to mind when you talk about the word missions? Outreach. What else? Purpose. Go to different places. What else? There you go. Something to accomplish. Mission. Okay, so people who are in the military or those who serve in, um, in, um, in foreign posts, um, they understand the word mission. It is basically, by, by definition, the dictionary uh, mission is basically an important assignment carried out for a specific purpose and it usually carries with it the idea of of sending and being sent okay sending and being sent you're you're sent or you're sending someone to carry out an important task angelo a couple of weeks ago talked about talked about us being ambassadors for christ and as an ambassador we represent Someone higher than us. We have been authorized to represent, you know, a head of state. Okay, um, when you're an ambassador, when you're ambassador for Christ, you represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Okay, you are a representative of Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about mission, as far as the mission of God is concerned, um, Timothy Tennant, uh, the a theologian and uh, the current president of Asbury. Theological Seminary, which is uh, my school now, so said this about mission. The mission refers to God's redemptive historical initiative on behalf of his creation. And when we talk about creation, it's not just humanity. It's the entire creation, okay? Um, because of the fall of man, the earth, the Bible says, has been cursed. And so it is, and that's why the Bible also says that all creation that has fallen under the curse because of mankind's sin 
They're, it's groaning and longing. And they're longing to see the sons of God or the children of God revealed. Because the children of God are those who are redeemed by God, redeemed people. And when they're redeemed, they're able to reflect the image of God. And as they reflect the image of God, they represent God and they are restored to their original purpose. And it is through redeemed mankind that the curse can be overturned. The curse on the earth will be overturned. Okay? Mission is at the heart of the Holy Trinity. Okay? As we can see, the Father sends the Son. And the Son sends the Holy Spirit to the church. And as the, as the Holy Spirit fills up and empowers the church and the believers, Jesus, the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit sends out the church to the world to do the mission of God. You see, the church is a sent community sent by God to the world for His redemptive purpose. Okay, Everybody say sent. Look at the person next to you, tell that person you are sent. Okay? So whether you like it or not, in, in many ways, we are missionaries because we are on mission. Whether you like it or not, whether you accept that or not. How many of you watch Mission Impossible? You know, uh, Ethan Hunt, every time he gets a, a message, he goes, should you accept this mission? Of course, every time he, see, he receives a message like that, he accepts a mission, no matter how impossible it is. See, God doesn't ask us to... Except he commands us to be in that mission. That's why if we live our lives apart from the mission of God, then we are not fulfilling the very reason why we are existing, why he, we were created. And if you are a believer and you're not, you're, not, you're not doing the mission of God, then why are you a believer for? Did you get that? Because to be a believer, to be a follower of Christ, it is given that you are to be in his mission. Whose mission are you accomplishing today? Okay. John Stott, another theologian, said this. Um, mission arises from the heart of God himself. And is communicated from his heart to ours. Mission is the global outreach of the global people of a global God. Okay? Um, <clears throat> so missions, the word missions, therefore, is just basically us joining God in his mission. Okay? It's not, it is not complicated. Now, what I'm trying to do here this morning is... Instead of doing it, you know, giving you a preaching, I, I just want to, this is more on a teaching, uh, teaching method. Because I want us to understand really the mission of God. Because I have a, uh, because of the main point that I want to share to you later on. Uh, let me give it to you anyway. To understand the mission of God is to understand the purpose of the church. You want to know why, the ch why we are here? You want to know the purpose of the church? You will only understand it in light of the mission of God. That's why every Sunday we stand up here. We say victory exists for two reasons. That's unique to us, okay? Of course, 
What's the first one? Honor God. We honor God in everything that we say, think, and do as individuals and as a corporate body. And then we make disciples. Okay? We are focused on God and His mission for us. Okay? So, so to understand the mission of God, now it is important <clears throat> that we understand the biblical narrative of redemptive history. Okay, what does that mean? That means <laughs> we need to understand the story, the whole, the whole arc, the, the meta-narrative, so to speak, of the, the whole story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. What is the story? If you read the Bible, you'll find there are you know, overarching, overarching themes that build up the story of God. But there is one theme that basically encompasses all the other themes, and that is the, redemp the redemption of man. So from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between, it's all about the mission of God, the mission of redeeming creation, redeeming mankind and God's creation. Okay? So let's look at this story. <clears throat> okay, I want, you, I want you to see this. Um, Okay, so here, this is basically um, the story that we have from, from the Bible. So from creation, from Genesis, all the way to Revelation. All right? <clears throat> now, in creation, God made, man, God, God made man in the image of God. And he made them, both, he made them male and female. Okay? He, and then he gave them a... <clears throat> His, he gave them his purpose, his, his mandate, which is to fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth, basically multiply your kind, and secondly, subdue the earth. And he, he, mankind was supposed to represent God because of all of God's creation, it's only mankind that had the image of God in them. So when creation looks at humanity, it's like they're looking at God because God, mankind is supposed to be the image of God, representing God to all creation. Okay? And we are to rule in His stead, in, in, on His behalf. But the problem is, we all know this, mankind fell into sin, so man chose to be independent of God. So he, mankind fell into sin. You all know the story, right? And because of that, the Bible says, uh, the earth is cursed and mankind now uh, is walking instead of, the, uh, instead of in the blessing of God, he is walking. They are walking in, you know, the curse of sin, under the curse of sin. And they're in bondage to sin. And as, we, as, they, as mankind multiplied, they just multiplied people, who's, would, would, people with broken images of God. And their hearts and everything has been... Has, has been messed up because of the broken image of God, because of sin in, in, uh, in their lives, okay? Now, <clears throat> now, since the fall of man, God basically um, initiated his plan of redemption all throughout history, okay? As you read the Bible, as you read Genesis, you'll see that God, God spoke to the serpent saying, 
you know, I'm going to raise up someone from, from man who's going to, you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. That was a promise of the coming Messiah who will basically get rid of the evil that has entered into God's creation. Okay? And then he started this plan and, and began executing it all throughout history. And so here we see after the fall, God calls Abraham and calls him out and sends him to a place of his choosing. Abraham was someone who was not, you know, God just chose him because out of Abraham, he will raise up a people who will be a, like a, 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 a type of, of people who, who will represent him. Okay, God always calls people. As you look at this narrative, God always calls people and sends them to his purpose. Sends them out. Okay? Abraham was called, and when Abraham obeyed God, God made a covenant with him, not just to bless him. I will bless you, God said to Abraham. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And you will be a blessing. And then, but in that covenant, it's not just for Abraham, but it is for his seed. That his seed will be a blessing to the nations. You see, from the very beginning, God's heart is to, to bless the nations once again. Because the nations, the people of the earth are under the curse of sin. Okay? <clears throat> and then here, he begins his work as, 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 um, as Abraham's descendants were in Egypt. They, they were in bondage. God began to deliver them. The, God redeemed them. And so this first major act of redemption was in, during the Exodus. <clears throat> where God restored people who were in bondage. And basically brought them out of bondage and made them into a people of God's calling and blessed them. And they were to represent God. But the problem is, remember the covenant of, that God gave, with, gave to Abraham, which is also in effect with Israel, <clears throat> it was to be a blessing to the nations. But what, it, what did Israel do? They thought that the privilege of being chosen by God was an exclusive thing. Okay? Privilege. They had the privilege of being the chosen people of God, and they saw it as something that is exclusive, meaning they exclude other people. That's why they call everybody else Gentiles. We are Jews, they're Gentiles. Right? <clears throat> In some other cultures, it's very, they became ethnocentric, meaning they, they focused on their identity as a nation, and they kept the blessing to themselves. They were a poor representation of God. And so, God disciplined them over the generations. <clears throat> but still, they kept on misrepresenting God. In spite of that, God gives them the, 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 the covenant on Mount Sinai, <clears throat> which is to be, and the purpose of that was to make them so unique on the earth and holy to show the distinction of the people of God among all the other nations. And then <clears throat> Israel continued in, his, in her rebellious ways 
But through Israel, God brought forth the promised Messiah. And he, the Son of God, you know, came down, went, came to earth, and took the form of man, a Hebrew man, a descendant of Abraham. So God was faithful to Abraham, to his promise to Abraham, that his seed will be a blessing to the nations. And here, and this is the, the crucial thing in history. The coming of Christ is the very thing that shook history. It changed history. It changed the story. And the incarnation of God in Christ, God becoming man in Christ, brought, ushered in a new age. So here, people were, people were still in sin, and yet those who come to Christ, those who came to Christ, and believed in him, they basically were taken out of this world and brought into the, the kingdom of God on, while they're on earth. So they became citizens of the kingdom of God. So they're now people living in two ages. The kingdom of God, the fulfillment was, is here at the end of the ages. And yet, at the coming of Christ, there are now people walking the earth who are seeds of the kingdom of the coming kingdom and they are being proliferated right now they are being they're spreading out all over the world people who are redeemed people who are walking with the image of God and now we see the plan of God redeeming mankind redeeming mankind and redeeming the earth that's why all creation they, they're all excited to see the, the, the children of God revealed on earth why because as we see more and more of the children of God revealed on earth, then mankind is, is redeemed, then all creation will be redeemed with them. Does that make sense? So please bear with me. It has significance to our lives today. Okay? <clears throat> so here, the death, resurrection, and the resurrection of Christ came and it brought forth a new covenant Okay, which is not uh, making this obsolete, but fulfilling the covenant God made with Abraham. And now it's fulfilled in Christ. And then here, God sends the Holy Spirit to the church. And, the, and God sends the church out to the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Seeds of the coming kingdom. Seeds of the, of the age to come are already here. The kingdom of God has come upon the earth through Jesus. And those who believed in him have become part of that kingdom. That's so why when, when Jesus was casting demons out of people, that's the first time people saw that kind of phenomenon. That's the first time they've seen demons being cast out. What power, what authority... And they said, maybe he's doing that because of, because of the devil, Beelzebub. You know, by the power of Beelzebub, by the power of the devil. And, <laughs> and Jesus said, how can Satan cast out Satan? A house divided against itself will not stand. Okay? But if I cast demons out by the finger of God, then here's what Jesus said. 
if I cast demons out by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's already here. It's, not, it's no longer a promised kingdom. It is already here. It's here in our present time. So there is an overlap. An overlap of the old world, fallen world, sinful world, and here the kingdom of God. Two ages are in existence right now. We are not of this age anymore if you are believers. We are of the kingdom of God. But we are here on this earth for a mission. Come on now. And God's plan of redemption is already beginning to bear upon the earth now. I don't know about you. I'm excited. I'm part of this. I, I get excited just to know I'm part of what God is doing on the earth. And I am a seed of the promised kingdom. Am I perfect? No. But I'm being perfected. We are being perfected. And that's why we can never look at our lives as Christians. That our lives just revolve around us. I'm just going to build my kingdom. I'm going to build my house. I'm going to build my legacy. It's not about us. So here, the Holy Spirit is sent. The, the church is sent by God. And it's near the end. The day will come when the kingdom of God will be, be here, the parousia, and then, and then all of us will be resurrected. The coming of Christ will be here. Jesus will come again and establish his kingdom and there will be judgment those who oppose them all throughout the ages there will be judgment and then the new creation will be ushered in the new heavens and the new earth which and then everything of evil will be wiped away what's going to be left will be the new creation notice something here god created and it ended with a new creation what does the Bible say in 2 Corinthians 5.17? If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's why we are to shed, take off our sinful clothes, our, you know, our sinful nature, and put on the new nature, the nature of God. Because that's who we are in Christ. Okay? The image of God has been restored. And here, the image of God was placed. When we were created, we were given the image of God. Because of the fall, the image of God got distorted, but not fully destroyed. And because of Christ, the image of God was redeemed. And as people began to put their faith in Christ, the image of God is restored. And it's going to be fully realized when Jesus returns. That's why... The Bible says, when, we, when he is revealed, we shall be like him. The image of God is restored in us, and that is through Christ. Because Christ is the image of God. The exact representation of God. So as we, as we look at this story now, I want us to... Look at a few things here. The mission of God is what unifies the Bible from creation to new creation. 
from Genesis to Revelation. <clears throat> it is the story of how God, in His sovereign love, has purposed to bring the sinful world of His fallen creation to the redeemed world of His new creation. In other words, He's going to deal with the issue of evil. And people today say, if there is a God, then why does He allow all this evil to happen? You know what? Let me tell you this. God is dealing with the evil that is in the world. But He's dealing with it in His most wise way. Not according to your timetable, not according to the wisdom of the world, which is foolishness compared to God. God's wisdom. But God is indeed dealing with the evils in this world. He's allowing these evils to happen, but it's not going to remain, it's not going to be permanent. For His purpose, He allows. But there's going to be a time that all evil will be annihilated. And that's the fullness of the redemption of God. Redem God's redemption of, of all creation. And you see, redemption is not just limited to man and man's salvation. It, is, it's, it also uh, redeems every aspect of, hu of the human life. His social, uh, man's social life, his political life, his financial life, his emotional state, his economic state. In every aspect of his life. So what are the implications now of this story? Knowing this story and knowing where you are here. What are the implications of the mission of God to the church? This is where it has significance in our lives now. Okay? First, the church exists for God and His mission. The church exists for God and His mission. <clears throat> Christopher Wright, um, in his book, The Mission of God's People, said this, it is not so much the case that God has a mission for His church in the world as that God has a church for His mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. The church was made for the mission of God. Tell the person next to you, we have a mission. We have a mission. Okay? Christopher Wright further says, God has called into existence a people to participate with Him in the accomplishment of that mission. All our mission flows from the prior mission of God that comes from His heart. We are called and sent by Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 21, the second part of that, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Okay, I am sending you. Does it now make sense why we always say here, victory exists for two reasons. We are here to honor God and make disciples. The church exists for God and His mission. Does that make sense now? Why we honor God and make disciples in this church? And why we say that every Sunday? Because we want you to always know his mission, and always know your role in it. Okay? We are not to fulfill our own mission, our own vision, our own ambition. Find out what God's doing and fling your life into that. And can I, tell, can I give you a hint? 
Where can you find what God is doing? How will you find what God is doing on the earth? He usually just uses one agent. It's the church. It is through his church that you will find the manifold wisdom of God's plans revealed. Okay? That's why if you're a Christian and you're not participating in the life of the church and saying, oh, Jesus and I can have this relationship. I don't need to be in the church. You don't understand what you're saying. You're going to be missing out. Have you, been, have you experienced as a kid where everybody's playing and you're missing out and you're right there, but you're not playing? You know, Angelo told us yesterday at the Victory Weekend, you know, that uh, he felt rejected, felt bad when he was a kid. When, when they would play basketball because I've been to his house. Um, he hosted me, uh, I think, one or, once or twice in Lucena before. And his house is right in front of a basketball court. So, uh, and he would play there as a kid. But when his, his, his friends, neighbors, uh, the, the, the neighborhood kids, they would play. They would choose their teammates. And then they would play. And then Angelo would be left. Isn't that what you said? And he said that the reason they, they're not picking him is because he's so good. <laughs> tell yourself that, bro. <laughs> uh, you tell yourself that. <laughs> you miss out on what God is doing if you disassociate yourself from His church. The church is not perfect, but it is the place where you can find His purpose for your life. Come on now. I don't think you like this. <laughs> the second thing, second implication is this. Okay, the second implication. The church is to know the mission giver. We exist for God and His mission. And because we exist for Him, it is incumbent upon us to know Him. We cannot proclaim that which we do not know. Come on now. We cannot proclaim truth that we do not know or we don't understand. That's why before God sends us out, He calls us to Himself first. Look at what He did here in Mark chapter 3, what Jesus did. And He appointed 12 whom He also named apostles. He called them apostles, okay? 12. He appointed them to be apostles. You will be my apostles. And here's what the first thing He did. So that they can be sent out. Is that what Jesus did? What was said, what is said here? He appointed 12, designating them to be apostles, so that first and foremost they might be with him. And after they're with him in relationship, he might send them out to preach. That's why when the when the apostles were preaching after Jesus had ascended to heaven. And they were preaching with power and, and the people were like, where did these, these seem to be uneducated people. Where did they get all this knowledge and all this power? And then they concluded they're, they're, they're like these because they had been with Jesus. People can identify those who are with Jesus. People can, can tell if you are with Jesus, if your life is over because it will be evident in your life. You're so, you're so close to Him that you radiate Him. You reflect Him.
at the center of God's redemptive plan in history is Jesus Christ. He revealed the Father and his mission for the earth. Okay? He executed the divine act of redemption at the cross. And he exemplified the mission of the church before his people. This is what you are supposed to do. That's why Jesus is our example. He was, he's not just God. He became man. And as a man, he exemplified how it is to do the mission of God as believers. And he is a central figure of the gospel message. It is therefore imperative that we know him. Okay? <clears throat> Before we are sent out, we are to know him because we cannot proclaim that which we do not know. How can you tell about Jesus if you don't know him? Can I tell you Larry's secrets? Larry goes, oh no. <laughs> don't worry, brother. <laughs> I don't know all your secrets. <laughs> Just a few. <clears throat> now, some of you who, who I, I just met like this week or today, I cannot possibly tell people about what's going on in your life or wh what, what are the things you like because I don't know you. But give me a chance to know you, then I can tell people about you. I can brag about you. Come on now. That's why I can, that's, you know, same, same way I can brag about Ryan. That's how I'm so proud of him. He's standing up here, you know, a while ago. You're going to see a lot more of that. <laughs> Lastly, third implication, and we're going to be winding down here, is this. The church is to be missional because we exist for God and his mission. It is incumbent that we know the mission giver. And as we get to know him, the response as, uh, of knowing him is we can't help but let him be made known. We can't help but tell the world about his love. That's a song, right? Tell people about him, about his goodness, about, about what he's done. And it's going to affect every aspect of our life that the way we live our life is going to be on mission. If we understand this, this is how God wants us to live. He wants us to be on mission 24-7. You see, if you think mission is only on Sundays and on victory groups, but in your workplace, this is not church, this is not victory group, I can be myself. I will do outreach on Friday at the victory group. I mean, do we even bring people to the victory group? That's the question. We just go there. I mean, we've been together for six years, but we've never brought anyone. Is that really being missional? Ouch. Is that being missional? Or is that thinking about just my needs? Meet my needs, please. Pray for me. Bless me. Encourage me so that I can go through my week. Until next week, next Friday, I'll come back here and draw from you again. That is not being missional. That is being selfish. Greg Okeson, the dean of uh, the East Stanley Jones School of World Missions in Asbury, said this, missional refers uh, to the condition of a church or people when they, when they read the Bible through the lenses of God's mission and seek to embody it in everything they do. You see, the church is to preach the gospel and make disciples who will be salt and light on the earth. You see, 
we are to make disciples. And it's these disciples who will go into the world, into the marketplace, and be salt and light there. Be the people of God. Be the image bearers in the workplace, in the, in the political arena, in the entertainment industry. Come on now. But we disciple them. That's our job as a church. But as believers, you're not just going to stay in the church. Oh, the church is a haven. Yes, it is a haven. But it's not designed for you to stay here all the time. We are here to, you know, if you don't volunteer, the Lord will kick you out. And kick you out into that place where you can, you can shine your light. Come on now. We are on mission at all times. So as I end, let's all stand right now.